available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things back to football. Just had a diet cherry pepsi oh you're feeling pumped up i think it's getting my voice a little screwy you are ready to go Uh, but i am ready uh yeah we got a big show we're gonna preview the pac-12 south we did pac-12 north last week we got a few notes to get to but as always if you want to email us we were kind of light on the questions last week david not this week uh pac-12 podcast at gmail.com's email address many people took advantage of that you could also call or text us at 424 Five three two zero six seven eight. Got a couple of voicemails for you today. You can tweet us at Pac Twelve Podcast or go to the website Pac Twelve Podcast dot com to find the old episodes. Over on Reddit, reddit.com slash podcast of champions slash r slash podcast of champions. Don't miss the R. You need that. I don't know why that's there. We've talked about this before. It feels like it's uh, outdated from pre like modern internet times. Right. We yeah. don't need the R. Back of the search engines had like categories. Are there like different letter designations that they're actually going to on Reddit? Like you for user? Are they actually going there? I, we don't need that. I'm not sure what that is. But anyway, go find us on Reddit. Uh, but most importantly, the Apple podcasting app. Leave us a five-star rating. That's all we ask. It's very, very simple. And you could get a hundred bucks. We're like three weeks in a row, or this is the fourth week now I think we've done this. This will be week four. This will be week four. Uh, congrats to Keon. He's the one that gave us the uh, great review last time. I got his address right here. On a hundred dollar jockey gift card that he's going to get in the mail sometime very soon. So people are very quick to respond. I responded to him on his email saying, like, hey, thanks for this. I'll send it out. And he's like, he responded, he's like, this is funny because the the email says David Woods, but I am almost certain that this is Ryan. I'm like, you are correct. Correct, sir. <laughs> um, did we do Give Me My Underwear? It is a podcast last time. I don't remember. Okay. If not, we have seven contenders this time. Oh my gosh. From John N. USC Trojan, Give Me My Underwear. It is a podcast. We might have done that one. Whatever. Simple and brief. We love it. Uh, Jeff- I, get, I get the pun there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffy Boy 123, uh, five star. Podcast of Champions. Da, 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 da. Uh, I am a regular listener of this podcast and couldn't be happier. RA and DW make a great team. Their insights into everything Pac 12 is spot on. Love them. What I don't love are the fit of my undies. The saggy rear end, like the Bruin secondary, doesn't seem to do the trick. Keep it up, fellas. That's a strong one. Far too complimentary of us, though. Oh, okay. Uh, this is from Grant Vincent A. Myths. Go Ducks! First, I have to say I love this podcast. Usually, I listen to organ content, but when I crave conference talk, this is the place to go. Keep up the good work. The second thing I want to mention is how your princess rankings are always spot on. Even people without children will enjoy the 20-minute rants that pop up between segments. Unfortunately, I only have five stars to give. The only gripe I have is that I wish they had the North team's podcasters as guests more. So if you are not, you need to subscribe. Now, this one also has as an acrostic, 
uh, excuse me for the p- colorful language. Uh, fuck the mutts. Oh, so okay. creativity, formatting, yeah. good. Yeah, I like it. All right. This is from Juan Noel. Uh, remember that feeling when you were like 13 years old and a girl touched your thigh for the first time? Listening to this podcast is exactly like that, but in reverse. The lights get dimmer, prospects in life feel slightly less exciting, and your heart gets a little bit blacker. But sometimes you just want to feel that way, man. <laughs> I like that one. That is really good, Juan. <laughs> All right, this is from Brian underscore 34. Apple podcast ratings versus the composite. This is a five-star podcast in the Apple podcast ratings, but probably only a two- or three-star podcast in the podcast composite ratings. It's the number one-ranked podcast in its position group and number one in its state. Even higher ranked than the Pac-12's own podcast, it is a top 247 college football podcast nationally. The player comparison for this podcast is Josh Shaw, a former five-star who is more famous for off-field, off-topic issues, i.e. balconies or Disney princesses, than on-field, on-topic issues, i.e. defensive production or actually talking about the (laughs) Pac-12. I also like that, Brian. This is really, these are gonna, this is going to be hard, dude. And this is from Review of Champions, a bomb-throwing anarchist of podcasts. A, self-pro- a self-professed bomb-throwing anarchist debates a QAnon conspiracy believer about not getting into land wars in Asia, Disney princesses, and what types of barbecue your coach would be. Occasionally, they analyze Pac-12 football. In summary, it's better than a fork in the eye. That, who is that one again? Review of Champions. Okay. And then finally, from Utes fan in San Diego, this is a Muppet show. Great to be back listening after that horrid COVID season. I am back to listening on my commute to and from work and love this podcast. I always picture Ryan and David as the two old men from the Muppets bantering back and forth, but for some reason they are in the form of South Park. Appreciate all the info and helping me sound informed and smart to my obnoxious Trojans and Bruins family members. I mean, I think they're very strong candidates all across the board. So I like... Uh, the 13 years old girl touch your thigh for the first time. Yeah, that's really good one. I liked Brian 34's about Josh Shaw. The composite one? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say for me, it is between... I would say between those two. Like they're Between all good. those two. The, the acrostic was also good. Uh, yeah. Fuck the mutts. Um, but I am going to go between Juan's and Brian's, and I think I'm going to go with Juan. That was the thigh-touching one? Yeah. No, I, that one was good I, I like the the lights get dimmer prospects in life feel like slightly less exciting and your heart gets a little bit blacker but sometimes you do just want to feel that way man <laughs> all right Juan uh you are the winner you are uh, capturing my mood right now Juan but I so but I feel bad because there's some other ones so here's what we got so we only have one $100 gift card left from Jockey and I got I don't know if you got your stuff. I got like a bunch of underwear. I am wearing the underwear and the shorts right now. I'm wearing the underwear too. Um, I got piles of it now. Like I've I ordered got a, a lot I've of got stuff. a lot of underwear. I ordered a lot of stuff. There was like sales too. Like yeah. so, we, we use I used a gift card, then paid some money too. But like there were sales, so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get these the discounted ones too. And so I got a lot, um, and I'm sure you do too. Yes, and it's it's I love it. It's good stuff. Yeah, good good boxer briefs. It's funny that we've had all this other stuff that wasn't underwear from Jockey, and now we do. Now we do. Um, all right, Juan, send us an email, and then I'll let you guys know. Uh, as of now, we won't have any more gift cards, but I think um, our buddy uh, Tom over at Jockey was willing to send us more. So um, if we get more, they might maybe they won't be hundred dollar ones, maybe they're fifty dollar. I don't know, but I'll, we'll let you know. Uh, but hopefully, we'll have a contest for next week too. Yes, agreed. Because uh, those were good stuff. All right. Well, thank you for all the reviews. Those are awesome. Seven reviews. Holy crap. You're giving people money away to review your podcast. It works. 
Yeah, we love it. it, it it's uh, it's a method that we haven't tried before, but now we're loving it. Everybody wins. Like our listeners get free stuff. Just abusing them into doing it worked pretty well for a long time, but now we're uh, we're actually enticing them with this carrot rather than just the stick. So we're gonna preview the Pac-12 South real quick. Go through these uh, some notes. So the AP poll came out more love for the Pac-12 than the coaches poll. Oregon eleven, USC fifteen, Washington twenty, but also Utah and ASU making it at twenty-four and twenty-five means a lot to you. I know that. You know what this has in common with the coaches poll? It means nothing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there, there's a coaches poll. I mean, a AP poll, and that's out there. There was an athletic story. Uh, about a potential alliance between the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12. Uh, could be a scheduling thing where, you you know, but we're already seeing a lot of scheduled, you know, correspondence between those conferences. Um, I don't know if this helps the Big Ten at all because they're already a, a big boy. I think probably helps the Pac-12 more than anyone. So Klyavkov's got to be like, yes, please, let's do this. But uh, we don't know all the details on it, but I thought it was kind of interesting yeah. with, with the Big 12 being like left out in the cold. Yeah, I think for the Big Ten, it's um, it's a philosophical alignment, but also it's future forward if they want to um, prevent the SEC from continuing to uh, glom on to, you know, everybody. Because uh, in the fullness of time, they may start to poach teams out of the ACC once their TV contract is nearing completion. So for the Big Ten, well, their contract like, goes forever. Like until twenty thirty six, but you know, you got to have a big time horizon in this in this uh, game of of thrones. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but the Big Ten has got, they have a, their deal comes up. They already have a huge deal, like way better than the Pac-12. It comes up before the Pac-12's deal. Like, mm -hmm. it's crazy how much money the Big Ten is going to be making. So, yeah, we'll see what comes out of this. But, you know, you feel bad for, like, the Baylors and the Oklahoma States and the TCUs of the world. They're like, hey, what about us over here? Remember we had that meeting? Yeah, um, so no. we'll see what happens there. As far as the um, COVID stuff, there won't be any COVID canceled. I deleted the uh, drop already. It could be a forfeited. They'll be forfeited games, basically. So um, you lose if you can't field the team this year is the, is the rule. Great. You, you cool with that? I don't yeah. think we're going to see any of that. I think that's fine. Um, yeah, this Washington note's kind of stupid, so I won't read that. Uh, wow. That, did I did my like general demeanor today just prevent you from even reading a note that you wanted to read? I just put it in there that Washington receivers were wearing goggles. While they were catching passes in the offseason. That's very much a your intern note. I did it. I put that's, it in my own. That's a Micah note for it, me. But I put it for me. I know, but I love yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Well, Washington doesn't really have, like, there's a lot of criticism. They don't have, like, a lot of playmakers up there at receiver. So they call so like, you, you 10,000. You have passes. the note in there. You said you weren't going to talk about it. And about now it. we're talking about it more than, like, the actual significant news in here. Right. That's great. All right. That's real peak well, anyway. podcasting. We'll see if they wear, you know, some receivers wear gloves. Washington receivers wearing goggles, apparently. See if that helps them this year. Uh, and then Isaiah Hodgins. Um, Isaac. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. That's, that's a, Isaiah's a different guy. Isaac yeah. Hodgins uh, was going to miss at least a month, uh, the great defensive end uh, for Oregon State. So that's a bummer. A big injury there. A true bummer. Yeah. A true bummer. Oregon State seems to be snake bit. Yes, no more than what happens. More than a bit. Well, let's uh, preview the Pac-12 South. Um, why don't we start with USC Trojans? Let's. Unless you think someone else is going to win the South, we'll start with that. I thought ASU, but we can start with USC. Okay. Uh, 
I just, I'm going in the Phil Steele order. Uh, yeah, Trojans, uh, eight starters. And who, who better than Phil Steele as an authority on the Pac-12? Certainly not the people who run this Pac-12 podcast. No, he loves uh, he loves Washington. He thinks that they're going to be good. So he's one of their surprise teams of the year. Uh, them and I think Penn State. Uh, eight starters return on offense and defense. Certainly some significant losses like Amon Rossi Brown, Tyler Vaughns. Talanoa Funga, Marlon Tuipolotu, still a lot of talent coming back. Uh, overall strength, uh, ranked number 24, according to Phil Steele, because they got teams like San Jose State, who won the Mountain West, um, BYU, who plays the entire Pac-12, and, of course, uh, Notre Dame. Um, a lot of transfers in, a lot of transfers out. You know, I've been going to practice. They've, you know, Talent's not been USC's issue over the years. They did upgrade pretty much everything around Clay Hilton, but it's still Clay Hilton. Yeah. So are um, you saying are you trying to imply something about what the issue is? <laughs> yeah, there's apparently there's like a Notre Dame fan site that did like an ode to Clay Hilton recently. <laughs> I just retweeted like they're like, We love Clay Hilton as the you know, like that, when it gets to be like that ridiculous, it's just like, wow, like where are we? And you can't like super nice guy, love him. I mean, talk to him, talk to his wife. Do you feel bad that people are making fun of him? I, it's hard because he makes $5 million a year. So, you know, if you're making $5 million a year, I would take a lot of criticism too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, any thoughts on the Trojans? Uh, uh, a few thoughts. Okay. Um, last year, uh, USC, if I remember correctly, uh, could not run the ball. Terrible at the football running. Are they going to be able to run the football this year? Try to figure out. They got a lot of stars on the offensive line back. Um, but their best guy's gone, Elijah Vera Tucker, the left tackle. They're probably going to be a freshman starting maybe both tackles. Um, they did get an offensive line coach who runs the offensive system they run. It seemed very like UCLA thing to do where they had like a oh yeah. Yeah, you know, like a, a power offensive line coach that was running. You mean do you mean when they when they had uh, Kennedy Palomalu <laughs> come in as the offensive coordinator exactly. to run man ball with yeah. nothing but position coaches who were spread? Yes. Yeah. It, it's very similar. That was cool. <laughs> It's really cool when you make a switch like that and you don't change the personnel or any of the assistant coaches and expect it to work. Right. It's dope. Why would you do that? Well, they did have, yeah, they had Tim Drevno coaching the offensive line. It was, you know, so it seems like the offensive linemen are in a better place. Will that be, will they be run the ball effectively? I don't know. They lose Marquis Step, who I liked a lot, Stephen Carr, but they bring in Keontae Ingram from Texas, who I like a lot too. He looks good. And uh, Darwin Barlow uh, from TCU. This little like fire plug guy. I think they got the personnel. Will they still be able to run the football? I don't know. It's. A, I mean, I I think they're going to run it better than last year, but they were bad last year. They just relied on Keaton Slovis, the receivers, and you know, outside of Drake London, there's a lot of dudes that have been making plays in practice. But Drake London's the stud, and then who kind of emerges uh, from there? We'll see. But they, I I agree with you. If they they could be good, they could be a, certainly above average. Just throwing the football around. But if you want to beat, like, you know, if you want to try to win the Pac-12, beat the North team, you want to beat Notre Dame, you have to be able to run the football. They just weren't able to do that last year. Okay. Well, um, I mean, uh, so looking at it, I mean, Keaton Slovis was sacked a bunch last year, but they also threw the ball a lot. So that's probably just a question of rate right there, right? Do you you have any issues with their ability to protect Keaton Slovis? I mean, USC's lost at least two quarterbacks like the last couple of years. Um, and that's with first round draft picks on the offensive line that are now gone. So I think that's a, certainly a concern. Uh, but if you just look at the efficiency and that, you know, they have those advanced metrics where 
you know, picking up those first four yards is usually attributed to the offensive line. USC's like stuff rate, all that stuff was poor. Um, so they got to get better at all that stuff. Uh, cause Keaton Slovis, if he goes down, you got a true freshman waiting, um, either Jackson Dart or Miller Moss. So yeah, you need all that stuff. I mean, schedule wise, it's, it's way easier schedule for USC than what it was supposed to be last year. Um, all Saturday games. So that's good. I mean, they're, you know, they play Notre Dame on the road, but they get a bye uh, before they play the Irish. They miss Washington. They miss Oregon. There's no Alabama on the schedule like the, you know, they had last year. It's set up really well uh, just to, like, I mean, you could sleepwalk to 9-3 and three almost, you know, like if just talent has anything to do with it. So I don't know. It's uh, It's set up well, but it could just be like a meh season or it could be like, hey, they go 11-1 and – could be in contention for a college football playoff berth. Who knows? Yeah, the schedule certainly sets up for uh, Clay Helton continuing his tenure at USC, which I think is the biggest priority That's a, for yeah. USC fans. USC fans hate that that it was like like last year was the one where you had to I, I play. really I really don't understand why they play. He had to play Alabama, Washington. And You're Oregon. talking about Rose Bowl winner Clay Helton. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah. So that's yes. We'll see what happens, but a lot of talent. Just spoiled, staff. just spoiled USC fans. Yeah, and a fairly easy schedule. So even if you if you hate USC, like literally they could be pretty bad and still do like eight and four. Like I don't know, but um, we'll see what happens there. All right, uh, you want to go? So this is the team you wanted second. I will put them, ne- or you want them first? I'll put them next. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> yeah, so Sun Devils, a lot of dudes back, nine on offense. Everyone on defense, all 11, they're all back. Like I have a list of like studs on defense that you got to look out for, like Chase Lucas, Jack Jones, Merlin Robinson, uh, Jermaine Lowell. Like they're all still there. Like that was my list from last year. I don't have to change it. But Jermaine Lowell just went down. Uh, Did he just get hurt? Yes. At least that was my Cartman report. Hang on. Hang on. I'm going to. And Lowell, sorry. Lowell. Um, God, where is it? Is my Chris Cartman report about this? I saw it. I'm looking for it. Yeah, he's got. He's going to have uh, tricep surgery. His season is in doubt. Oh, well, that's... and he's arguably one of their most important defensive players. Well, I'll put that in my notes. Unfortunately, um, yeah. Look so that... at me coming with the knowledge, coming with the information. I love it. You Bringing see... it, as they say. Way to bring it, uh, Mr. Woods. Um, their schedule strength not that difficult. Sixty-three. Thera pretty darling pick uh in the pac 12 south for sure i'm personally not as high on arizona state right now just because of the scandal stuff and you're like oh, what doesn't matter but three coaches are currently suspended my guess which, is, which coaches ha- have the names changed no they have the same one is it still not anybody who actually matters for like in-game coaching and stuff yes okay then i, I don't care Okay, but do you you don't feel like you're it's like a slippery slope like this is going there's going to be more like slippery slope's a fallacy, Ryan. Okay, I don't believe in it. Um, right. No, of course, if there's something significant that actually comes of it during the season, but it seems like they're just trying to, you know, gauge the wind and keep throwing a, a an occasional assistant coach at it and hope that makes this go away. Yeah, I guess that's. I mean, that's where we are. Um, but see, when you when I, we're going to do our picks for the season next week, I don't think I can pick. Like, if I just picked on what Arizona State's on paper, it would be very different than what I think is going to happen. 
Um, now, maybe everything gets delayed and, and they just play the season as normal and it's not that big of a distraction and they win the Pac-12 South. I just have a hard time picturing that right now just because I feel like there's more shoes to drop and at some point something's going to happen. Well, I mean, end of the day, so uh, I think the loss on defense of Lole is uh, significant. But when you look at this team, they've got Jaden Daniels, who I think has a chance to be the best quarterback in the league this year. Um, he's one of three or four guys who I think have the opportunity to do that. Um, he's going to be a third-year guy. He's going to be, you know, more or less uh, his peak form is yes. going to come this season. Um, and then you returning, I think it's four of five starting offensive linemen. Um, and uh, the offensive continuity, the defensive continuity um, of a team that was already fine. Like, they were decent enough last year, even with um, COVID derailing them. Um, I don't know. That, that to me, especially with this schedule, because you're talking about Southern Utah, UNLV, and BYU. Um, and BYU is on the road, so that's something. Yeah. But um, those are three completely winnable games and should be wins for ASU. BYU... I looked at them recently. Um, they're, not a, a they're, they're not a member of the Pac-12, but we should consider them that right. because they play like five Pac-12 teams every yes. year. They lose everything, almost literally everything. They're last in the country in returning production next year. Which is weird year. in a COVID year, you know? Yeah, very much so. But they were already, I mean, operating with, I think, six-year seniors. Um, so it's, uh, it's a situation where ASU should probably go 3-0 and in the non-conference. And then during the conference schedule, um, they don't face Oregon. So yeah. that right they there. They Oregon and Cal, which is, I mean, Cal could be, you know. I would say Cal, Stanford, uh, they're probably getting the easier end of that too by yeah. only playing Stanford. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it sets up. that. That's probably the reason why I'm higher on ASU. And I think USC also has an easier schedule. And there's no question about that. Um, but ASU's is even easier. They don't have a Notre Dame in the non-conference. You're right. Yeah. So uh, for that reason, I, I think they're, you know, again, if, if nothing goes horribly wrong with the coaching staff, if they don't lose OCDC or head coach and there's not a huge amount of turmoil, looks like a 9-3 and three team to me. I think so. I mean, I, I agree. I just, it's hard for me to put all my chips in. And I, we, we got to talk to Cartman. I want to talk to him because, like, he always, like, kind of sets me straight on this. I'm like, I push all my chips in the middle with Arizona State, and then all of a sudden, like, Herm Edwards fired. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> would, if they were going to do that, they would have already done it. But if they, this isn't a choice. Like, if it's like, oh my God. There's going to be a choice because it's not going to be based on an NCAA investigation. It'll be based on their own internal stuff. And they're, they'll wait till after the season at this point. Yeah. Well, I thought there was, they had to accelerate things because of the eligibility of incoming freshmen and all I'm that. Making, stuff. I'm making the hand motion that we all know and love again. Yeah. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Okay. Uh, let's go to Utah Utes. Another uh, potential. Pac-12 South contender. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of their coach, Kyle Whittingham. New guy. New new guy yeah, on the block. Yeah, hasn't been around too long. 17th season there uh, in Salt Lake. But uh, 10 returning starters on offense, 9 on defense. Uh, number 37 ranked schedule because they have um, BYU and San Diego State both on the road. Uh, but they have Weber State at home to open the season. So... Um, most of their roster is coming back. Lose a few transfers like uh, Samson Nakua, uh, Brian Thompson, the wide receiver. A couple wide receivers are gone. Uh, Jake Bentley uh, is gone there, but you're going to have like the Charlie Brewer show potentially uh, transferring from Baylor and then Cameron Rising you saw last year 
um, from Texas, but a lot of guys back. Momentarily before he went down for a season-long injury. Last year. Yeah, Cam Rising. But he's potentially back this year. Yeah, apparently he's been back and actually tearing it up a little bit in his – in camp, um, so it'll be interesting to see who actually because I don't think they've named somebody yet. Um, no, I don't believe so. Um, obviously, Ty Jordan, the loss of him on over Christmas, obviously, I mean, that was yeah. terrible. But you know, they bring in a couple of uh transfers, TJ Pledger from Oklahoma, and then I think it was Chris Curry from LSU, and there was another one. Um, I'm forgetting right now, but oh, um, Tavion Thomas was a Juco guy that came right. in, so uh. Apparently those guys have been doing pretty well in camp. So, you know, you replace the running back spot, which you know you had a you know, star in the making there with uh, Jordan. But um, yeah, I mean, it just, just looks like you know the lines are going to be good. Who's gonna, you know how's the quarterback play going to be? Can they run the football? It just seems like it's another team where you know you don't question the identity of a Utah football team, and I don't think we will this year either. It's yet another year where I think Utah is flying a little bit under the radar. Um, look, I, I'm kind of poo-pooing a lot of teams returning like their entire offensive lines, but when Utah does it, it feels different because they so effectively use experienced line play yes. um, seemingly every year. And that's why, um, obviously, a horrible loss of Ty Jordan, but that running game with that returning offensive line, not super concerned about their ability to produce yards on the ground. Um Quarterback, I think, is you know a real concern, but we've seen very effective Utah teams with middling to poor quarterback play. Um, I mean, look at the Travis Wilson. Pretty years. much all of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, look, looking at all that, I would say um, I, I'm not super worried about Utah um, offensively. Defensively, I would say they actually took a step back last year. Um, I think the defensive line, you know, they're going to need to. Be really good. That linebacker core is very good. That secondary was the problem last year. Um, they've got you know great talent at cornerback, um, but uh, getting better play out of that secondary, I think, will be huge for them this year. Um, but yeah, I mean Utah. I think this happens to us every year uh, because uh, they they don't have as many sexy names every single year. Uh, but this should be a damn good Utah team. And if you look at the schedule, again, we're talking about. BYU, Weber State, and San Diego State. Yeah, that's that's again a very winnable three and O in uh in non conference, and then even with two of them on the road, still certainly winnable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then in conference play, uh, they don't play Washington and Cal and Cal. So again, they're getting the better end of a swing. Um, so. I think this is an example of that good scheduling from um, uh, the Pac-12 a little bit in terms of the timing of everything, but also um, it's just lucking out that I think three of the better teams in the Pac-12 South are also getting the better end of their schedule rotations this year. Yeah, and Oregon gets the you know, comes to Salt Lake. Yeah, Arizona State, you know, comes to Salt Lake. The only one, you know, USC on the road, and that's a tough place for Utah traditionally. Um, they haven't been able to win the Coliseum, but yeah, it's a it's a definitely a manageable schedule um i think for me for utah to like win the south again you got to be i think they need some playmakers you need to a little bit of explosive offense at times i know it's not really been their thing but if you're going to score 24 points every game you're not going to win them all i'm really confident in this newcomer that they've got coming in uh britain covey oh Uh, yeah i think he's going to make a huge impact rookie of the year in the playmaker back 12 yeah yeah 
Yeah. So Britton Covey. Yeah, he was at the Pac-12 media day. Are you going? Uh, did you get the invite to his uh, 35th birthday party? <laughs> I did not. Oh, okay. We had a falling out. Yeah. No. <laughs> was it from that thing that you said about him 12 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when he was a sophomore. Yes. And, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, the Utes. We'll see where they go. And now let's go. Across uh, town from where we are, UCLA Bruins. The Bruins. We got to get David's take on all this. We're sure about the Dorian Thompson Robinson thing. He wasn't showing up for the beginning of camp, so we'll get Dave's thoughts on that. But a lot of guys returning. Bruce mm-hmm. Feldman pointed out, you know, you love that. Uh, 10 returning starters on offense, 10 on defense. Middle of the road schedule strength 57, according to uh, Phil, Phil Steele. No real significant transfers out of the program, uh, which is. Good. Some, you know, big losses on on the defensive side of the football. No more Demetric Felton. Uh, that's a big loss, too. But, you know, getting a guy like Zach Charbonnet to transfer in. Um, Jay Toya coming over from USC, who was really impressive, a defensive lineman. Uh, you know, he was impressive for USC in the spring. You know, some some it looks like more additions than subtractions this offseason with a lot of production coming back. A team that, you know, Looked like they were on the upswing. What are your thoughts on the Bruins, David? Yeah, I mean, I think this should be Chip Kelly's best team in Westwood. Um, they return, as Ryan just uh, pointed out, basically everybody. The D- Dorian Thompson-Robinson thing was um, he was out for, I, I don't know, like exactly 10 days um, and didn't appear <laughs> to be injured. So you can read between the lines. I mean, yeah. it's uh, COVID quarantine. Um but uh, so he's back. He's he looks fine. Obviously, um, he's entering his fourth year now in the program. He took the junior leap last year, where he minimized, drastically minimized his mistakes. Um, it wasn't like he became like this elite passer or elite runner. He just took out all of the stuff, or not all of it. He took out a lot of the plays that were super negative plays, like those things where he would drop back fifteen yards and take a sack. Instead, it was three-yard sacks, um, and that obviously drastically increases its efficiency numbers. Uh, the offense returns everyone on the offensive line. Um, center Sam Marazzo might be dinged up to start the year, so they might move John Gaines in there, but Gaines played some center last year, also played guard. So they've got um, a lot of continuity on the offensive line. Uh, receiver playmaking ability is probably one worry, um, but running back play shouldn't be. Uh, between... Britton Brown and Zach Charbonnet, there shouldn't be much drop-off, at, if at all, um, from what Demetric Felton and Brown were able to do last year. Uh, it'll just look a little bit different because they're both big, strong, tough runners, not necessarily as shifty and explosive as uh, Felton. Defensively, that's where the questions really were for me and remain. Um, there have been some interesting develop- developments in fall camp. Um, if you remember listening to the show coming out of spring, uh, I was worried about uh, middle linebacker play with Bo Calvert. Uh, he struggled last year playing that position, basically being asked to be a full-time starter for the first time and didn't hold up very well. He's been moved to outside linebacker to the Raider spot, and instead they've got Caleb Johnson and Jordan Genmark-Heath, who's a transfer from Notre Dame, working in at the two inside spots. Both of those guys look more instinctual, um, better tacklers, um, and just uh, kind of quick, um, quicker reading um, what the offense is trying to do. So uh, they could be more effective in that, kind of that main area of weakness that I was worried about. And then your boy, Jay Toya, uh, he might make an impact up front this year. Really? Um, so if you get those two things right, um, 
I think the the next worry was safety play. Um, last year it was a weakness. There's no real, um, you know, cavalry on the horizon for fixing that. So it's got to be somewhat internal among the two starters, uh, Stefan Blaylock and Quentin Lake. Um, but already there's enough signs of um, improvement uh, just in terms of the decision making from the coaches, in terms of who they're going to play at inside linebacker. That makes you that would make you a little bit more optimistic about the defenses and potential to improve. All right, <laughs> excuse me. Schedule's really interesting. Week zero game, mm-hmm. uh, Hawaii. But this is what I love. LSU. I mean, beat Florida last year, but lost to some crap teams in the SEC. Uh, coming to the Rose Bowl, and that would be their first game where UCLA would have the tune-up game. I think that could be a big advantage. Now, I don't know if you know this, Chip Kelly's out-of-conference record isn't good. Mm-hmm. But is it realistic to think Hawaii, LSU, bye week, Fresno State, all in the Rose Bowl, the Bruins are like 3-0, and and it completely turned things around? Typical UCLA team, I would say, yeah. I would I would almost predict the 3-0. and um, Chip Kelly has not been good in these situations, and yes, I, I don't think there's been a single opponent on UCLA's non-conference schedule um, the two years they actually played non-conference games who's as bad as Hawaii or Fresno State. But those two teams aren't bad. They're uh, Hawaii, especially. That one would be something that I would be a little bit concerned about. Todd Graham's a good coach. Um, they returned quite a bit from last year. There's enough there that I looking would be, ahead a little bit. Yeah, there's enough there that I would be a little bit concerned about that. Fresno State, um, I don't think is going to be good this year. Um, LSU though is always very talented. So um, it depends on how ready they are for the start of the season what's struck me about the first two years um under chip kelly uh not last year because of all the weirdness but the first two years is it wasn't just that the teams they were playing were good and non-conference it was that ucla looked fundamentally unready yeah um against cincinnati in 2019 uh yeah 2019 when dorian thompson robinson was um back there i mean he was making some good plays but then he was just doing stuff that just like dropping the ball just like running around as if he hadn't taken enough reps running with the ball it was just like just so many things where they just looked like nervous and unready for um you know playing at that stage so i'm interested to see what that looks like like if they go in and blow the doors off of hawaii even though it's just hawaii that might change my outlook for the entire season because oh okay they're coming into this year ready and that means because if you look at the schedule to me no it doesn't set up as a monster um they do have to play both oregon and washington they don't get the good end of those trips but overall, it's not a monster schedule. It's about middling for UCLA. But it, my one big takeaway from it is from my current vantage point, it's a ton of toss-ups. It just looks like toss-up central to me where there's a lot of games where they're not going to be huge favorites but not ne- not likely to be huge dogs. And it's just going to be 50-50-50-50-50-50. But if they blow the doors off Hawaii, if they take care of business in non-conference, which means they go at least 2-1 and one with a couple of nice blowouts in there, that might change my outlook and might make it, okay, these aren't 50-50 games. There's only a handful of those, and this could be an 8-4 and four team. But yeah. right now, looking at this, I'm I'm still saying 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and five, somewhere in there. You know, I think the good start's important, certainly for the Pac-12 with LSU there. Um, at least be, you know, put on a good showing. Don't get blown out. But, man, starting week seven, like at Washington, Oregon, at Utah, back-to-back-to-back, is uh, then a bry after that, but holy cow, that's a tough stretch. Yeah, it's it's not going to be easy, and not to be discounted in here, um, UCLA going at USC, at the Coliseum, 
I did the, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but I just went through like the historical thing. It's like a 10 point swing in USC's favor when the game is at the Coliseum really? versus at the Rose Bowl. Um, okay. It's a huge swing for what should be a negligible yeah, right. it shouldn't matter uh, at all. Uh, thing. And obviously there's noise in that data, but um, this one is, uh, th- I think that's significant when it is at USC. UCLA has typically not been very successful in that situation. So there's there's some factors that certainly play into it schedule wise, um, but overall it should be. I mean, it, what I'll say to UCLA fans, it should be pretty fun to watch. I think UCLA should be pretty good this year, even if the record doesn't necessarily indicate it, and even if they should be a lot better in Chip Kelly's fourth year than they're going to be. Um, but it won't be an unwatchable, terrible mess like it was the first couple <laughs> years. Um, it, it should be a continuation off of what what they did last year when it was qualitatively better, even if it didn't, you know, work out record wise. It might be the same thing this year. They might be six and six, but again, a step up it even quali- quality wise from last year. All right. Uh let's go over to your buddy Carl Durrell. Colorado Buffalo. Got a new defensive coordinator, Chris Wilson. Uh, is there was coaching the defensive line before uh, eight starters back on offense, eight on defense, a tough schedule, ranked number nine uh, by Phil Steele and a big injury already in fall camp. Uh, the Tennessee transfer, JT Shroud, uh, quarterback was injured. And right now it looks like only two scholarship quarterbacks are left on the roster. Uh, Brendan Lewis and Drew Carter, both are freshmen. Brendan's uh, you know, been in the program though for a year. And uh, can I make a comment? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I feel bad for JT Shroud. Yeah, obviously. Um, and I'm basing this sight unseen on JT Shroud. I don't yeah. think I watched a single Tennessee game where he played. Uh, but this makes Carl's Carl Durrell's decision easier and better, I think, which is he's going to start Brendan Lewis now. And Brendan Lewis is the better option because he can run. Yeah. So, um, I feel kind bad. of forces his hand. I feel bad for JT Shroud, right. but I, 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 you know, having watched a little bit of Brendan Lewis last year and knowing what college football is, and knowing Carl Durrell's, uh, uh, you know, proclivity for um, experience and uh, statuesque quarterbacks, this might make it a little bit better than it otherwise would be. Yeah. Forces Anything him. that forces decisions on uh, <laughs> on 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 my old friend Carl would uh, probably be. Uh, beneficial i was listening to this one show i forget and i apologize i forget who it was but sometimes when you get an injury like that there can be a rallying it can be galvanizing yeah absolutely um so i'm, I'm interested everyone wants to, to get behind lewis yeah, and, yeah. Like, and uh, he's the guy i mean he's the guy who's been there a year already too so there might be some you know whatever some locker room I, I, speculating but yeah. some locker room solidification around him Either way, depth is going to be a concern there with only two scholarship quarterbacks because, of course, Sam Neuer is transferred out to Oregon State, uh, Tyler Lytle uh, to UMass. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Katie Nixon, I've been watching him at practice. He comes over there uh, to USC, uh, transferred out. But, um, you know, some some good transfers coming in as well. Uh, get some inside linebacker help from Robert Barnes at Oklahoma, Jack Lamb from Notre Dame. Um you know, the, the big one was Shroud coming in from Tennessee, but obviously he's gone for the season. But tough schedule. Um, you know, they got rid of Tyson Summers, the defensive coordinator from last year. He was a holdover from Mel Tucker's staff. I think he's on staff somewhere in the SEC, but like as a analyst or something. So Chris Wilson takes over there. I covered him when he was at USC. We'll see how his defenses do. Um, this is a four and two team 
last year, David. I mean, they and they didn't get an opportunity to play USC because of the COVID stuff. Uh, they could have won the South, and they sort of like kept them out of it. But they, they did a lot better than I thought they would uh, last year. They got absolutely trucked in the bowl game. But um, I'm thinking this team takes a step back. But I don't know what are your what are your thoughts on the Buffs? Defensively, I think they should be pretty good. Um, it, the, this is going to be one of the first, I think, legitimate tests of Carl Durrell because I think either way last year went would have been a mulligan uh, because he just he was hired so late couldn't make any changes really to the coaching staff and just kind of inherited what he had and right you know tried to motivate four and two is a pretty amazing it did great but um hard to take too much he's now he made a proactive decision because that d wasn't bad last year and he made the decision to go with chris wilson um how that turns out in year one whether the defense takes a big step back i mean they return i think nine starters from last year um if the defense takes a big step back or a small step back that's uh that's a black mark um, against Durrell. Uh, so I'm interested to see that. Nate Landman, um, from what I'm reading, he should be close to 100% yeah. um, after tearing his Achilles last year. Uh, so getting him back is obviously huge. Um, and the secondary has returning parts. Um, so I think there's reason to think the defense could be decent. Um, the offense was more the issue last year. Um, I think Brendan Lewis might be more effective than Sam Neuer was. Sam Neuer looked really good at the start of last year and then tapered off drastically. Right, yeah. Uh, Brendan Lewis, maybe he's able to give them a little bit more consistency, um, particularly with his able to, ability to make plays with his legs. Um, and then you've got the running back room um, where you've got Jarek Broussard. Um, and then the guy Jarek Broussard was uh, understudying for last year before he got hurt. Who? Give me a name. What's oh, his name? Oh, crap. Uh, ah. Never mind. I'll, I'll look it up real quick. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, my my long uh, statement notwithstanding, uh, they got to get more offensive production out of them. Um, Alex Fontenot. Yes, Fontenot. Sorry. Um, so they've got to get uh, more offensive production this year. Uh, it was pretty one note after a while last year. Um, so throwing the ball a little bit better is going to be critical. Uh, Durrell supposedly an offensive guy. In my estimation, he's not really. Um, his offenses have generally been terrible. Um, but again, I'm basing that off of old information. Perhaps he has turned over a new leaf. Um, I'm again, it's it's a this second year is going to be an interesting case study for me on whether the decisions and changes he makes make the team worse. Um, and I think we'll be able to tell that to an extent because they do return so much. Yeah. Um, on both sides. The problem is. The schedule is brutal. Okay, first three games are at home. Northern Colorado, great. But Texas A&M and Minnesota. Texas A&M is in Denver, I believe. Um, and it's funny, as we go down the like sort of like the rankings or the expected order of finish in the South, it's it's unfortunate that the, the better teams in the South, the ones we perceive as better teams, have the easier schedules. And then as we go down worse, it gets harder. And you could argue Colorado's is the hardest, missing Stanford and Washington State, which could be the bottom two teams, uh, you know, in the north Absolutely. potentially. You know, we don't we're not too high on Stanford. We'll see. Maybe Stanford ends up being good, and and that's a that's a win for. Uh, but you know, we both think but, Cal- two, but two power fives in the non conference. I mean, you add yeah. all that together, um, it's going to be a major struggle to get to six and six. I think. Yeah. Um, and that's just the reality of the schedule. I think Colorado Colorado could be better than last year and still be a six and six team this year. Um just it's the vagaries of scheduling. Yeah. I mean, they you know, they get USC at home, but they have Arizona State and Utah on the road. Um, they have Oregon on the road, you know, the Bruins on the road, Cal, one of the better teams in the north, 
on the road. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you get Washington at home. They beat Washington before, yeah. so we've seen that. We've seen it. Um, and I mean, I'll, I'll say um, as I always do, uh, I'm rooting for Colorado. You are a Colorado I am, fan. I am one of the longtime uh, Buffalo fans. Yeah, uh, they just have to get that the Alamo Bowl Texas thing out of their heads. Yes, because um, that's that's not a good way to. It's not a positive taste in your mouth. To end Don't carry that into another game against uh, Texas. You don't want that. So we'll see what uh, Carl Durrell does in uh, year two for him. And then last up, and you know, I'm not saying this is where they're going to finish, but the team's on a 12-game losing streak. We're going to put them last. Arizona Wildcats. Jed Fish, lots of excitement. He's very fun to talk to. Uh, he brings over Don Brown from Michigan, defensive coordinator, and Brennan Carroll. Uh, Pete Carroll's son as the offensive coordinator. They got a uh, bunch of guys back, eight offensive starters, nine defensive starters. Of course, Grant Connell transfers out to Memphis. So who's going to be the starting quarterback? They got Gunnar Cruz, the transfer from Washington State. Will Plummer was the guy we saw. I think he started one game last year. And then uh, Jordan McLeod's another uh, transfer. He's um, also on the roster. So uh yeah I, was he a transfer or is he a fr- true freshman i forget i think he's a true freshman he's a new, he's the newcomer yeah mcleod um but it looks like it's gonna be between cruz and uh plumber and with no- popular sport largely rallying behind gunner cruz yeah uh the number seven schedule according to phil Steele. so another uh difficult one you know like i said like missing oregon state and stanford like this is as we get to- towards the bottom of the conference they have to play they're all playing Oregon, Washington, and Cal. You know, they're all playing the the top teams. So this is not set up well for uh, Jed Fish's first year. But I think, and they got a lot of transfers in. I mean, it's a huge list, and a lot of these guys are going to play, according to Jason Shear. They're going to have to. Uh, there's um, there was no talent on this roster, or very little. Um, I, I the two big names for me are. Oh, McLeod was UCF, by the way. So he right. came in from USF. Sorry, got it. Uh, the two big names for me are uh, Jed Fish and Don Brown. Yeah. That's it. Um, <laughs> if Because the thing is, uh, so even bringing in a bunch of transfers, and maybe some of these guys are going to be huge impact, and, and that more than likely there's going to be a few of them that are just because they're going to be starting. Um, but what's going to tell the tale of whether this can be better than last year's awful team is whether they get better coaching on both sides of the ball. And yeah. That's going to be Jed Fish trying to make something out of I won't say nothing, but something out of very little offensively. And then Don Brown proving his pedigree. I mean, this is a guy who turned out nothing but five, top five defenses at Michigan until last year. Um, will he be able to do the same with not a whole lot of talent? Um, you know, defensively, I think they've got maybe a little bit more than they had offensively last year, but it's still, they're not very good. Um if those two coaches um, can uh, make a huge impact and, and um, you know, make something out of very little, uh, this Arizona team, it's, they're not going to, they're not making a bowl game this year, um, but they could win three or four games. I mean, I, I think that's possible. It's just a matter of whether, um, whether their coaching advantage is significant enough. Um, Cause I really like Don Brown. I think he's been a great defensive coordinator um, and Jed fish. I was impressed with him in his one year at UCLA. Um, yeah. But that was with UCLA level talent. What's he going to do trying to install his, he, he runs basically a, a 
pro style spread like so many of these other offenses these days um how's he going to marry that to arizona talent level and not even just typical arizona talent level but down arizona talent level yeah that's going to be a question and we're not going to make any definitive answers about that in year one unless they're really positive really negative it's just the talent right really positive then i think you can start talking about that and you can start selling it and recruiting and i think that's uh, this is a pure upside year i think for jed fish if they can get four and eight and they can look exciting on offense or defense at any point they'll have something to sell in recruiting um they're already recruiting i think better than anybody had any right to expect from a 0 and 12 the last 12 games arizona team um and if they actually have a little bit to sell like looking just somewhat playable on the field then uh, uh that could take off to the extent that recruiting can take off in tucson yeah um you look at this team I'm not sure, you know, offensively where it's going to be, but you you're talking about a defense with Don Brown that you trust him. There's names like Anthony Pandy, you know him, like he's a good linebacker, you know, Christian Roland Wallace was a great corner, but they bring in Isaiah Rutherford who's probably going to start from Notre Dame at one corner spot. You know, they bring in a linebacker from Vanderbilt, Kenny Herbert who's, you know, got a good chance in there. Another linebacker, Jerry Roberts from Bowling Green. There's a bunch of guys that are transferring in that are going to start or definitely on the two deep so it's going to be a a different kind of roster than what we saw uh from last year but i think they're gonna be coached up better so i think that's going to be a big part of this so it they should be a feisty team i still think you know it's a tough schedule they're going to play better they're not going to continue the losing streak but you know what is four and eight that'd probably be a pretty big uh improvement i would think especially yeah, it, with that schedule yeah looking at the schedule i mean non-conference uh, it's important to split this into non and 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 conference even more than other teams because in the non-conference they're going to take a byu team that no one knows but i would expect is not going to be very good this year based in on las how, vegas ba- yeah. based on how little they're returning arizona can win that okay. um because they return quite a bit byu returns basically nothing it could be um arizona time San Diego State, uh, sight unseen with San Diego State, but I'll just say they'll probably be favored in that game. But then Northern Arizona, I mean, they could go two and one in non-conference, and then it's just a matter to get to four and eight. They just have to s- steal or not steal uh, two wins in conference play, and between I don't know Cal, Washington State, UCLA at Tucson, Colorado, I could see it happening. I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, and they've certainly stolen some games against better opponents in the past when they've been decently coached. So yeah, yeah I, I think, I think four and eight's on the table. I, I think that's probably the top end expectation for me with Arizona. And that's if things like go really, really well. But I, again, I think that would be enough for them to sell in, uh, in recruiting. All right. Uh, well, let's, uh, why don't we take a quick break and come back and uh, go through the questions back in a minute. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back here on the podcast of Champions. We got, uh, we're running a little late, a little uh, short on time, David. Got some stuff that we got to do. It's kind of busy with fall camp. We're not going to get to the voicemails today. We got a couple of voicemails. Evan, you left like a two-minute voicemail. Maybe call back and leave like a one-minute one. That'd be better uh, for next week. But we'll try to get to as many questions as we can. Apologies for uh, uh, for not getting to all of them. We'll do our best. Um, I think we're starting off with... Uh, five Paws Way Up? Yes, Five Paws Way Up. All right, this is from uh, Drag Racing Duelist. Uh, Tom Cruise's dog Bledsoe here. As I lay here on the Indian Sun Bear rug in Tom's underground bunker while Tom sit his, sits at his desk in the corner on a call with Washington State coach Nick Rolovich discussing government covered up of aliens in rural Idaho, among other things that I'm doing my best to not pay attention to. I instead focus my ears on the podcast Tom has playing in the background. It's the best Pac-12 podcast around, even if I have to listen to Tom complain and insult the hosts about the lack of WSU content. I get to lay here and listen to semi-quality takes on all 12 teams in the Pac-12 brought to us by two guys somewhere in California. As a dog, I'm quite annoyed at Tom's Cougar fandom, but as my owner is Tom Cruise, that's the least of my worries. Your podcast is the only thing stopping me from going full Cujo, so please keep up the great work. I'm unable to leave a review as Tom thinks all Apple networks do a massive amount of spying and he doesn't want Apple knowing his secrets. I'm also obligated to tell you the one good idea Tom has had lately Team up with Dr. Pepper on a massive marketing deal and rename the conference to Dr. Pepper 12-pack. Ooh, I kind of like that. Love the whole thing. That was a great email. It was a great email. Uh, I never have t- talked to Tom Cruise's dog before. Didn't know his name was Bledsoe. Super excited about it. That is very cool. Uh, the dogs can email and everything. I love that. And I, I, I'm sure he feels that way about Apple products. I, so, I'm positive. I bet you that's like all true. Yeah. Um, I think that was written by Tom Cruise's dog. We need to get sponsored by the Dr. Pepper. But by the way, like I got a cher- Diet Cherry Pepsi here. I love the Diet Cherry Dr. Peppers. I can't find them anymore. Like I could go over Smart and Final and grab them. So I would like any Dr. Pepper people out there. We'd love to, you know, we'd drink your stuff all the time. We'd talk about you. It'd be great. Dr. Pepper. It's fun to say. Dr. It's, Pepper people. It is. Wasn't that? Pick a pe- like there was a yeah, commercial no. for that back in the Peter day. Peter Piper picked a pet. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. Uh, all right, let's see. We got some promo things here. I'm sure they called him Cleves. This is from our buddy John Basalone, who sent me. He's Trader Joe's guy. Sent me some really cool uh, desserts. So the remember the the brookies yes. that we got at Pac-12 Media. Well, you didn't, but I did. And I was you know, and I was like, eh, meh. So he sent me like Trader Joe's brookies. And they were legit. They were like they stuck. They didn't crumble like the ones at the Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, so he sent me some. Why didn't John send me any? Uh, I don't know. Actually, maybe he did, and I just ate them. <laughs> you probably did. <laughs> he didn't remember, say. Remember our first year doing this when the guy in Washington uh, sent you cupcakes? Yes, for both of us, and then you ate them all. I don't know if I ate them all, but I probably did. Yeah. Well, yeah. you weren't like around. I was trying to like. Uh huh. Yeah. Was any effort made? Were any text yeah, messages there exchanged? There was probably some. Yeah, yeah, you just don't respond to the text messages. You know, that's true. You can't argue with that one. Fair enough. 
Okay. So he says, Ryder Dave, uh, I'm thinking of how to, uh, to best refer to the current Pac-12 commissioner. I've started calling him Cleves. Picture, if you will, a Boston University dorm room circa 1988. Preppy guy on BYU, uh, BU rowing team. Hey, Cleves, you going out tonight? Cleves. No, I have a test tomorrow. And someday I'm going to be the commissioner of a Power 5 college football conference. Preppy guy. What are you talking about? Miami and Florida State dominate college football. And what the hell is a Power 5 conference? Come on, Cleves. Let's go drinking. Cleves. Yeah, okay, but give me a second to put on my Sperry's. Uh, it had to be his nickname in college. Fast forward to today. I think Cleves, unlike Champagne Larry. The truth is we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? <laughs> actually has a clue how to do his job and was meeting with Bob Bowlesley because he knows he uh, better be making some contingency plans if Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC bolt for the Big Ten. I would be shocked if he was looking at adding the Big 12 leftovers to the current Pac-12 conference. Question. After his listening tour is over, which of the following will be his first decision? He actually just, he's at Oregon right now, I think, as we speak. I thought he was supposed to go right after media day, but something must have happened. But he's up at Oregon now. So which is uh, most, what would most likely be his first decision? One, restructuring, rebranding, and relaunching the Pac-12 network. Two, announcing a move of the Pac-12 headquarters to Las Vegas, LA, or Phoenix. Three, realignment or dissolving the conference divisions for the 2022 season. Four, holding a press conference to announce radical changes to the Pac-12's approach to football officiating. Five, none of the above, fill in the blank. Thanks for your never-ending dedication to the Conference of Champions, John and Brea. My guess would be number two, because you can do that preemptively um, and well in advance of the actual move. You can say by the you know, spring of... 2022 or the fall of 2022 we're going to open offices in las vegas or los angeles or whatever um and get them out of san francisco uh but i think the reason not to do it immediately is because there are some people who work there who wouldn't who would be left off um because they wouldn't be relocating so yeah and i think the divisions thing would happen if we were going to go to a playoff right away uh, the officiating, I think he's aware, but I don't know if there's going to be like some radical change like right away. I think it's something. He Those wants are to the fix. kinds of things. So uh, with four, I, I'm sure that's a focus, but it's the kind of thing where you want the proof to be in the pudding before you start announcing things. How many times did the Pac-12 make that mistake? We're going to do a a huge revamp of our officiating. We're going to hire this guy. It was in like 2015 when they said they were going to do yeah. that, and the officiating remained bad, and then suddenly it's like a joke. Yeah. You said you were going to do this, and then it turns out it's garbage. Just do it. Like, do whatever it is you're going to do. You don't need to announce it. It's not a PR. Th like, this is the PR of it will be stop having your games made fun of by incompetent <laughs> officiating. Yes. The, the PR isn't the announcement. The PR is the the proof of what you're doing, like yeah. what actually happens on the field. So uh, I don't think that's the kind of thing where you hold an announcement. Moving the Pac-12 headquarters, though, that scores some points with the people who have actually been paying attention and not just uh, scoring points with John Wilner and John Canzano who've been making fun of him, but also the athletic directors and the various you know stakeholders at all these different universities who are also like, why is the conference spending so much damn money just to be in the middle of San Francisco? Yeah. No, and he when on the listening tour, we had that little happy hour with him and talked. I mean, I, there's a lease, so they have to get out of the lease. But I mean, he... It, said something along the lines of like it's like another five hundred thousand dollars per school yeah. like if you don't have to pay yeah it's you know, huge kind of especially money. when uh things are getting dire in terms of the uh money imbalance 
All right. You want to do the USC one next? Yes. This is from Jeremy in Mapleton, Utah. Uh, a few days ago, I was talking to Brad in Portland, a POC emailer, about USC's place in the conference. We agree with the idea that the Pac-12 should prioritize USC's happiness and position. However, as a fan of another South Division team, I disagree that I should want USC to be strong for the good of the Pac-12. I am cheering for the success of my team. I would never end a season saying, what a great Pac-12 season. USC is dominant again and is headed to the playoff. Also, Utah was 10-2 and and is going to the Alamo Bowl as a top 15 team. Let's all enjoy the respect for our conference. No, I want to end a season saying, hell yeah, Utah is 11-1 going to the Pac-12 championship with a great chance of going to the playoff or Rose Bowl. Sure, I want Oregon and Washington to be strong because playing a good team in the Pac-12 championship is good, but I want to win the Rose Bowl. Having another powerhouse in the South Division makes it much harder for my team to reach its goals. Long live Clay Helton. Uh, yeah. The, the, the problem is, Jeremy, if USC is not good then, and they leave, you're not going to the Rose Bowl anymore. It doesn't matter what you do. You go 12-0. and 0, like Then you're out. Yeah, but that's a different thing than what he's saying. Well, it's not just if US, USC's – I mean, USC doesn't have to be good to stay in the conference. Um, and USC doesn't have to be good for the conference to be good. Well – no, it doesn't. I mean, if you look I mean, at historically... it's not been good since USC. Well, bad. USC isn't bad right now. What I'm saying is, like, USC right now is a strong team in the Pac-12 South. They're just not at their, like, peak strength. But USC doesn't need to be peak strength for the conference to be good. Um, somebody needs to be at peak strength. Oregon or Washington needs to be at peak strength. Sanford needs to be at peak strength. UCLA, God forbid, ever be as good again. They could be at peak strength. USC just needs to be USC, which is consistently, like, a nine-win team. And then you know, every so on just blowing up because they have nothing but talent. Um, but historically they don't need to be dominant for the conference to be good. 2013 is the best recent year for the conference and USC was fine. They were yeah, good. But they weren't, they, were they weren't the they peak were, team. Yeah. Um, you just, uh, I, I think USC isn't bad right now. They had one bad year, um, but they're, I mean, and this isn't even me just being like a Clay Helton apologist. <laughs> They're fine. Like they're they're what they are is bad for USC, but they're not bad. They're not bad by any reasonable definition of the word. They're like a top three team in the league at worst. Um, right. So anyway, kind of going afield. But um, it, it, in this context, I get what he's saying because um, you know the 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 preference isn't to just sit here and watch great Pac-12 games. It's you know no, you want your team to do well. Right. And, he, and he's saying too, like you want to prior. I mean, they should prioritize USC's quote-unquote happiness or whatever but you don't need them to be great right. you don't need yeah you want to, you want utah to win the, the south every year and and win a, the conference and go to the rose yeah. bowl yeah that, that makes sense yeah. yeah and it's not a matter of like every time you're setting up the schedule for usc to be great um like you want to obviously be cognizant of the vagaries of things every year you know if if utah is setting up with 20 returning starters in a normal year not just a covid year or whatever then you're probably going to want to set up the schedule so that Utah looks really good because the point is to have an elite team come out of the conference, not for it just to be USC, no matter if they're going to be a yeah. eight and four quality USC or a 10 and two quality USC. Um, you, you want it to be set up for the success of whoever is, has the best potential of being an elite team that year. Yeah. But I would say if you're Utah, you should root for Oregon to beat Ohio state. You know, you yeah, should root for I, Washington uh, to beat Michigan. You should root for UCLA to beat LSU. Honestly, you know. for me, like from a familiarity standpoint, even growing up as I did as a US, a UCLA fan and a, you know, obviously a USC hater. I, I mean, I root for USC in non-conference games, yeah. um, both because it's funny um, when Clay Helton wins those <laughs> and has to continue as USC. Head the coach. Irony. Yes. Um, 
And like, but like, I go into it, and then during the game, I inevitably um, start um, rooting for bad things to happen to USC because it's funnier to tweet about. Yes, like it's a lot funnier to tweet that USC is like gong show catastrophe than it is to say, "Oh, USC beat Ohio State" or whatever. If like they're like have like negative rushing yards in the fourth well, quarter against I, Washington State, it's fun you have to, to tweet admit, that out. You have to admit that like everything bad that happens to USC has like an inherent comedy to it. Oh, for sure, it's yeah. so funny. Yeah. It's just so funny every time. Like even the scandals, which are like you know obviously dark and serious a lot of times, but like just the way it happens at USC, like the Josh Shaw thing, like the way it happened was just like. This is just an absurd tragic comedy. Like yeah. this is incredible. I mean, all the Sark stuff. Like, oh my couldn't... god, the Sark stuff. And it's like this is a guy dealing with like real struggles. And I, I'm not trying to make light of him, right, or his struggles. But the way it happened, but it is so you're... funny that this is happening to USC. And because you had such incompetent leadership, like sometimes good leadership just... nips some of that stuff in the bud. It doesn't yeah, let no, it. Like, yeah. Josh Shaw doesn't get out if you had Pat like come... Hayden coming down to the field to yell at the officials and yeah. get a flag against him or whatever the hell that was that one year, or nearly get a flag against him. That was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> like Pat Hayden just being lit on the field. Like it's so good. We love it. He likes his drinks. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, Hithliday. Argentum a Aris. Right, Ar- I'll look that, uh, look up. that up. You read. Last week, Ryan invited listeners to quote, please yell at us if we miss something obvious in your Pac-12 North previews. Uh, I should thank anyone doing so to be foolish as they met the standard of quality and preparation you boys have established for this product. Specifically, that the following segment on Coach Cage matches for eight minutes was double the length of any preview, culminating as it usually does with your Kyle Whittingham Zaddy fantasies. Um, I guess he's not a big fan of uh, Kyle Whittingham. The uh, guy wrestles I think, I think he's just more just making fun of us. I know, but I but he also thinks that we we give too much credit to Kyle Whittingham, I believe. All right, Which, so Argentum is silver. Eris, uh gold, I would guess? Silver and gold. Silver yeah. and gold. Okay. Okay, great. That A is the, yeah. Okay. Your colleague Chris Partman of Sun Devil Source posted a provocative Twitter thread on Friday starting here. And then I saw some of this stuff uh, he had tweeted out. Looks like Jed Fish and Arizona will spend the next four to five Can I just years. say in that thread, I learned a lot about the internal dynamics of the journalism beats in the state of Arizona. Oh, really? <sighs> lot of, lot of, lot of like. You know, claws out fighting in that. Uh, in that, people were calling out threads. Cartman. Well, you yeah. had reporters who cover Arizona getting into it with Cartman, and Cartman giving it right back. And it's just like, guys, I hope you all understand. Nobody cares about Arizona football. Was Lev involved <laughs> in that? Was Lev like? <laughs> no, Lev wasn't. It was uh, Ralph. Level-headed. Ralph Amsden. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And Jason, our man Jason, got into it a little bit, but he and Cartman kept it professional. But Ralph and Cartman kind of got into like Ooh. some interpersonal stuff. It was. If you haven't already, strong recommendation to check out this Twitter thread. Uh, yeah. You probably have to go back to Friday uh, to find the start of it with uh, Chris dropping this bomb. So he was saying that um, basically like, you know, a bunch of local three-star recruits with modest Pac-12 interests will not enable enough success to remain employed. But not just local. He was very specific in saying Arizona three-stars. Um, they're which is going to get into Hithlade's point here. The hit rate on the local three-star guys becoming multi-year starters at ASU and other Power 5 schools is poor, like get you fired poor. People may not want to see it for what it is, but those are the facts. Look at the state of Arizona three-star recruits the last 15 years and tell me otherwise. And he came back, and I think he tried to – I don't know back off of those, but he tried to clarify some of the comments. But uh, I don't think he backed off, and I think he – I mean, just my own – he has a point. 
Yeah. Um, the question is whether it's uh, it's a fair thing to criticize Arizona for right now. Yeah. So Hithliday says, in the broad sense, of course he's right. Stars matter, and not hauling in blue cl- blue chips typically means losing the teams that do. But since Fish has to start somewhere, and getting three stars in his programs, getting three stars is his program ceiling right now. There's really no other way of reading Cartman's full comments about where they're from. Uh, then he believes three stars from the state of Arizona are systematically overrated. And that's why ASU has been uh, foregoing them. Do you boys find this to be true in your experience? Who's uh, responsible for rating Arizona recruits anyway? There's no fundamental difference in their rating strategies for um, all the Western states, I think, now. No. Um, it's basically a combination of Brandon, Greg, Blair. Blair Gula is a big part of that. Yeah. I think the big problem is there's a pretty wide range of three stars. Like three stars is an enormous bucket. And there's some that are like ranked 400 that are like on the board, you know, the cusp of being a four star. And there's some that are ranked like 2100 that are like, well, we there's some athleticism there, but we're not really sure about them. You know? I don't I don't find any fundamental difference between the like three stars that come out of Phoenix or you know, wherever, and the three stars that come out of L.A. Um, I, I don't – if that's the question, no, I don't think there's any fundamental difference there. Um, the the point he's making, if you take out the Arizona emphasis, is not wrong. I think if you're building a program just based off of three stars, uh, you've got to be a really exceptional coach, and you've got to have a really defined sense of who you are and what your system is, and um, you've also got to take advantage of the transfer market. You've got to basically be Utah. You've got to be that kind yeah. of level of a program. And it remains to be seen whether Jed Fish is going to be able to do that. We're not going to know in year one if that's the no. sort of strategy that he's building around. But also, to your point, Hithliday, what the hell else is he supposed to do right now? He's he's recruiting yeah. to an 0-12 Arizona team, which, okay, Arizona already recruits like crap every year. And now he's recruiting to 0-12 Arizona. The fact that they – didn't they pull in a friggin' four-star out of L.A. They recently? Did, yeah. um, so, look – I think he's doing exceptionally well, given the circumstances of how he is supposed to be recruiting right now. Um, I think it's, I think it's interesting uh, to tweet about that at this point um, from Chris, and I think it's you know meant in fairness, like he saw Dennis Erickson do the same thing or attempt to do much right, the same yeah. thing. And it's not, not like he's saying like, "Hey, ASU tried this; it didn't work." Right, yeah. and uh, and not build the thing. But I think at this point, I think it's a a relatively unfair criticism of uh, Jedfish or a critique or whatever you want to call it um, because uh, that's all that he can do right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe eventually it gets better than that, but for now, uh, that's that's what he's got available in state. Um, and frankly, most Arizona really highly ranked guys don't go to either of these two damn schools. They go out of state. They don't stay in Arizona. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. Just feels like a little, little tiff. Yeah, a little tiff going on. But go go read that thread for sure. Um, you're up next. This is a lot of like reasons why Oregon's not good. I don't. Do we need to do this right now, or is this like we can? Uh, okay, we're crunch for time. Peter in Vancouver. Um, if you want to resend this for next week, uh, feel free. Um, otherwise, we're gonna skip it. Uh, he basically um, just is. Uh, he's a Washington fan, and he doesn't think Oregon's good. Yeah, <laughs> and um, there's like. 10 bullet points yeah. of why they're not going to be good. Which uh, And it's, I'm sure it's all fair. All fair and, and good. Uh, this is from Paul Webfoot, all-star pack coaching staff. Uh, hello, champions. I'm wondering how you would build the staff for your teams if you could poach any coach from the conference. But first, a joke. I'm only going to read the joke because there's no way we can even name 11 assistants um, in, the co- in the conference. 
How do you keep the Cal Golden Bears football team off your lawn, paint it like an end zone, and put up goalposts? I love that. Okay. Nice. We will also do this next week um, because now we know what you're talking about, uh, but we wouldn't be able to do this with no preparation, Paul, and also we don't have time. So I will now read Peter in Vancouver's other question. Okay. Yeah. This is better. This is shorter. This is from Peter in Vancouver. Pac-12 non-conference games. Gentlemen. Back 12 teams are scheduled to play 10 games against Power 5 opponents in non-conference games this season. Colorado versus TCU, UCLA versus LSU, USC versus Notre Dame, Cal versus TCU, Oregon versus Ohio State, UW versus Michigan, and Stanford versus Kansas State, Vanderbilt, and Notre Dame. I think that the over-under on those games is three and a half. What are your guesses? Uh, he also doesn't have all of the teams. Uh, is he just talking about the first two weeks or something? Oh no no, there's not. There's yeah, I don't think that's all of them. No, Arizona has two. Wait, yeah. no, no, not Arizona. Uh, Colorado. Oh, did he put he put Colorado in there? No, did he? Minnesota's on the schedule for somebody. Who was it? Uh, Colorado, Colorado versus Texas A and M and Minnesota and Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so this is revise the- and resubmit, Peter. Sorry. Yeah, we. <laughs> I don't think you got all of them. So and also a couple of them are wrong. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, revise and resubmit, Peter. <laughs> you're not, uh... Peter. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're you're a you're a longtime listener, and we love you. But um, uh, please resubmit both questions. All right, Eric wrote in. What if? Uh, I know there's actual football very soon, and this pod is more about the Mandalorian. And is that, is that coming back? By the way, Mandal- it should be. Um, just without that one actress. Oh, because she was like uh, anti vax or something. Well, or? she was doing something bad. There was something bad. Oh, there was so, something. 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 No, no. I don't remember what she did, but there was yeah. something bad. She was badass though, too. Uh, okay, more about the Mandalorian, Mandalorian, and princesses than the Mouse's MCU TV offerings. But with the release of What If last week on Disney Plus, what are your favorite Pac-12 related What If Ooh. hypotheticals? And the butterfly effect that they'd unleash. As an Oregon fan, I'd always wonder what if Dennis Dixon didn't get hurt in 20, uh, 2007 or Stanford in 2012 if in a couple of certain plays a block was made and the or the third player uh, landed a couple of inches further and out of bounds. Conversely, what if USC offered D'Anthony Thomas as a running back? Thanks, uh, Eric. The Dennis Dixon one is a huge one because do you remember how much of a monster Oregon was? Oh, they were coming into that UCLA game where Dennis Dixon tears his ACL before the game and then UCLA shuts him out 16 to nothing. Mm. That was Chip Kelly. That was Chip Kelly's first year as the offensive the coordinator. At oh, Oregon. No, a, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were an absolute monster. Like that would have been a national title contending Oregon team. So that's a huge one for me, has always been um, another one that I think is fun is what if USC had actually successfully hired Dennis Erickson instead of Pete Carroll? Oh, wow. Like, what about that one? Yeah. Like, would Dennis Erickson have been able to do even 80% of what Carroll did? Probably not. I, I like Dennis Erickson. I think he's a good coach, but I yeah. don't know. I don't know if he would have brought the recruiting energy. Um, so that's always an interesting one for me because he was choice number one, if I remember correctly, uh, from that period. I think he was, yeah. Um they try to get Mike Riley and stuff too, I think. Yeah. Well, it was like Mike Riley, Dennis Erickson, uh, who else? Well, anyway. Um Yeah, I mean, those are some significant ones. Uh USC's had a bunch. Like <laughs> I mean, like Reggie Bush doesn't try to lateral to a walk on in the Rose Bowl. 
like they were like up 12 yeah, or that, something. But, but, like, but that's like a harder what if because that's basically asking the entire program to not have that insane hubris at that point. Yeah. Because that, the, that was the whole thing is like Reggie Bush did that because that was the entire culture of that team by that point. We can do everything. We can do anything. Yeah. We can do whatever we they want. They were very confident in that yeah. game. Um, and so they were just like, but okay. Like if they actually won that game, what, you know, how does everything change? I mean, there was like the Stanford game that sort of launched Jim Harbaugh's career, yes. you know, to read a Pritchard and all that. Like that was huge. Uh, like Mark Sanchez losing to Oregon State up on, the, you know, US, like the 13 to 9 UCLA game. Like, USC's got like there's so many what ifs like stupid little plays that another national championship or two could have happened. So there was a bunch of those at least with on the USC side. Um, I mean, there's some injuries around the conference. If Michael Dyer was ruled down in the BCS championship game against Oregon. Yeah, that's a significant. Oregon, one. Oregon can win Oregon, a title. Oregon wins a national title. Does Chip Kelly? I think he still does. Like eagerly leave for the NFL, NFL. at the first real opportunity, but maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. If Chip Kelly stays at Oregon, or, you know, wins a championship, stays at Oregon, like what, you know? That thing would have kept rolling. I mean, as bad as Chip Kelly has gotten, uh, I don't think he would have messed with something that was working. Um, and oh, there's there's a few. I mean, there's um, UCLA in 2004, if they'd beaten USC in Darrell's second year, where Spencer Havner was not down and should have had a pick six. Uh, or a fumble return for a touchdown. I forget what it was. I don't know if that would have been significant, but it would have changed the game because then they would have gone into that 10 and 2 year with a little bit of momentum too from the previous season. Um, Nobody cares about UCLA. What am I even talking about? No, they care. No, they what care. if uh, Tyrone Whittingham like, went 1 and 11 instead of <laughs> 0 and 12 at Washington? Does it change the <laughs> course of, I don't know. <laughs> Oh man! I mean the bush uh, push, oh, oh, like oh, push, oh. push push game, like you know, what if, if if Stanford doesn't foolishly schedule that Northwestern game for nine, 9 in the goddamn morning? Yeah, or just don't play on the road in your first game against Northwestern to start the season because that 2015 Stanford team was maybe the best of the entire Shaw Harbaugh era. Yeah, um, they could have been a playoff team, like Washington's run a few years ago. Like what they lost to USC at home, but that didn't matter. They still made the playoffs. Well, like what if you injected Jake Browning with the Captain America serum? Yes. Right. Well, they, they but they what they play they played like Alabama or something. Right? They just got smoked in the playoff. But like I'm trying to think of like the, the Oregon Oregon could have won. Like Washington when they made the playoff, they couldn't have won. So there's nothing like you would change to be like. No. Like, what if Alabama's bus crashed or something? <laughs> was it Alabama? I forget who they played. They, they, I think it was Al Was it Alabama that they played in the, the playoff? Yes, it was Alabama. Yeah. Alabama. Um, you know, Washington played with them for a little bit. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, thanks, Eric, for that one. And then uh, that's it. Is that all we got? That's all we got. So, uh, wow, we finished in under the time we allotted for ourselves. Sweet. Well... Thanks, everyone. Sorry we cut some of the questions short this week. Um, no. If you guys want to resubmit them, you're more than welcome to. Uh, just uh, just copy and paste them into a new email because we generally don't go back. Um, but if you want to, you are more than welcome to. Um, sorry we couldn't get to them all. Yeah, I think I think Evan and Tempe had like a two-minute question about Sonny Dykes or something uh, at Cal. Jesus Christ. Like, I think it was that. Or, or it was Perk. One of, I can't remember. There was a Perk and a... But there was like, what happened with Sonny Dykes? And essentially, like, his offenses were good. His defenses were terrible. And he didn't want to be at Cal, ever. Yeah, he's a Texas guy. He didn't really... He never wanted to be at Cal. Yeah, it just it just wasn't working. And uh, he, they signed him to an extension, and he's out. 
And like he was just like they they fired him, which was a pretty bold move because he still had yeah. like three years left on the deal. So um, yeah, that didn't work out. And I forget what the other one was. Something about cheating, but uh, yeah, they were both pretty long. So resubmit those if you want them back, and uh, we'll take care of them. But all right, that's gonna wrap things up. This week for the podcast of champions. Next week we're gonna pick all of the games. So I got to do that at some point. I'm going Catalina. Uh, I don't know if I can pick games while I'm in Catalina, but maybe I'll do that. You know, maybe stop taking so many goddamn trips, Ryan. I'm going camping in Catalina. Going camping. It's like 25 miles away. It's great. Yeah, but you're somehow not able to pick games while you're doing it. I'll I'll try it. Maybe, maybe I'll, prioritize. Maybe I'll bring I'll bring a I'll bring a little notebook or something and pick some games. Just think about them sitting under the stars on the I beach. Like, yeah, what are you doing? I'm camping, picking games. <laughs> Probably won't happen. So, Almost certainly not. Yeah. Uh, the likelihood of me picking before our show next week is low, but I'll, I'll work on it. We'll see what we can do. Uh, all right. Well, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast of champions. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats.